The Snowball by Alice Schroeder. One sentence summary. The Snowball is the only authorized biography of Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, legendary value investor and once richest man on earth, detailing his life from the very humble beginnings all the way to his unfathomable success. My favorite quote from the author is, Time is the friend of the wonderful business, the enemy of the mediocre. Warren Buffett I've been a Blinkist user for over two years now. They have a wishlist feature, which you can use to suggest and upvote which books they should summarize next. For as long as I can remember, the snowball has been number one on that list. Until now. They finally summarized it. It's one of the longest and best summaries I've read on the platform so far, and I can't wait to share my insights about how Warren Buffett from it with you. The man himself barely needs an introduction. Drawn to math, statistics, numbers, and stocks from a very early age, Warren had read every finance book in the Omaha Library at age 10. After getting a college degree, a brief stint in his father's investing company, and a few years of tutelage under Benjamin Graham, he launched his own investment partnership. He went on to beat the S&P 500 in over 40 out of 50 years, and in the course of it became one of the richest three people in the world, briefly taking the number one spot in 2008. Alice Schroeder, who authored, authored this book, was the only Wall Street analyst Buffett even talked to for several years, before he, appro he approached her about writing his biography. Since the summary is long and detailed, I've decided to draw three general overall lessons from his life. 1. Start early. If you're late already, start now. 2. Be patient. Choose tomorrow over today. 3. Build a reputation. It comes hard, but goes fast. Ready to learn what it means to live a good life from one of the wisest, richest, most successful men in the world? Here we go. The Snowball. Lesson 1. Start early. This answers the question, what were the beginnings of Warren Buffett's life? With a stockbroker father and a loving but overbearing mother, the two defining traits of a young Warren Buffett were introversion and an interest in numbers. He memorized entire pages from a book about baseball statistics his grandfather gave him at the age of eight, and loved visiting his dad's office. As a natural consequence, Warren started making money at a very early age. At nine, he sold gum and coke. At 10, he sold peanuts at football games. At 11, he'd saved $120, about two to $4,000 in today's worth. At 12, he delivered newspapers and sold subscriptions, earning $175 a month, more than most of his teachers made at the time. Warren was lucky to find his passion, making, calculating, investing, and growing money early on in life. Most of us don't, but even those of us who do often put off starting. Warren didn't just read. He closed the books, went outside and started doing. No matter at what point in your life you're reading this. If you have even the hint of a gut feeling of what it is you want to do with your life, go for it. Start now. Not tomorrow, but today. It's the earliest it'll ever be. And if you haven't, just pick something you enjoy. Passion has a way of finding us once we start working. The Snowball. Lesson 2. Be patient. This answers the question, how fast did Warren Buffett achieve his success? If there's one guiding value, a north star that's floating above Warren Buffett's life, it has to be patience. 
time and time again, he chose to sacrifice a good today for a better tomorrow. For example, his mentor Ben Graham taught him that good businesses are like thrown away cigar butts. People think they're worthless, but there are still a few puffs in them. Warren would only invest in businesses which had more intrinsic than perceived value, and those don't come by all too often. But he patiently waited for the right opportunity, not just the next one. He also told all of his early partners that each and every dollar made from his investments would go right back into further investments and that he intended to never cash out on stocks. When Berkshire Hathaway, the textile business he'd bought with a steep discount of $10 million, wasn't doing well, he patiently continued to invest instead of injecting capital. The managers of his companies he patiently got to know before settling on new ventures to invest in. And the SEC investigation in 1974 and the newspaper lawsuit ending in 1981? He patiently waited throughout those too. The Snowball Lesson 3. Build Reputation. This answers the question, what is one of Warren Buffett's key components of his success? One of the greatest things patience allows you to do is never choose what seems like a shortcut over the long term, right thing to do. When you are not worried about getting your results fast, you can commit to integrity like few people can. All of his life, Warren's been concerned with his reputation much more than his net worth. Quote, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and 5 minutes to ruin it. If you think about that, you'll do things differently. Warren Buffett Not only is your legacy the only thing that counts once you're gone, it's also hard to build even while you're still here. Warren treaded lightly all his life, as he knows a good image is quickly lost. The best thing he's done in times of crisis, though, is stick to it. For example, integrity is what brought him to help his good friend John Gutfreund, which literally means good friend in German, in exchange for his support in investing in Geico. The company whose board he joined, Solomon Brothers, was caught up in a massive scandal in 1991, which Warren navigated as interim CEO by putting together a new leadership team and making plenty of reforms, living his integrity when it was most at stake. Here's what I learned from The Snowball by Alice Schroeder. Okay, quick clarification. Alice Schroeder wrote the book in collaboration with Warren Buffett. She interviewed him many, many times. Again, she's one of the few people he even would talk to because Warren Buffett's rather shy and doesn't give too many interviews and doesn't have too many public appearances besides the annual Berkshire Hathaway uh, shareholders conference which by the way is very is probably the most expensive event in the world given a ticket costs about $200,000 which is the price of one Berkshire Hathaway stock um, besides that there aren't too many public events where Warren Buffett speaks um, I'm looking it up as I'm, I'm speaking because I have 83 in mind for his age but that was a while ago yeah actually he's, he was born in 1930 in August so he's 87 now um, and so, yeah, the, the, the occasions where we see him in public, they become fewer and fewer. But uh, she was one of the people he talked to. Now, I, if I recall correctly, they had a fallout after the book came out. And by the way, this is something that very common is very common. It often happens that when people hire other people to write their biography or their memoirs, and then obviously you'll never be 100% happy with how the other person presents you, right? Because it's not your own view. You would probably not be happy with your own view even. But there was some reason I think they never talked again after the book came out. So which was, which was kind of weird. Um, 
The book's supposed to be really good. As I said, I read the summary. It was one of the longest summaries on Blinkist I ever remember. I do want to read the book. I haven't gotten around to it. Um, I'm not sure if it's rare. I remember maybe there were, I think, other books by his business partner, Charlie Munger, like um, Charlie Munger's, what is that called? Almanac. Uh, it's, it's a rare book. It's hard to get, get your hands on. I think the Snowball is okay. It might be out of stock, but I think you should be able to get it on Amazon or so. So because the lessons were rather were rather general, I want to talk about one to two other things that are worth mentioning about Warren Buffett and his investing strategy. And then I would like to do something different. I want to read you some of my favorite quotes by the guy um, because they just really shape his perspective. So uh, first off, a cool analogy he makes. One thing to note, when he was nine, he sold bubblegum and Coke, Coca-Cola, right? Uh, it just so happens that Coca-Cola was... Uh, probably his best and biggest investment he's made um, that he's held for the longest time too. And Wrigley's is another one he made. So think about that. Warren always invested in stuff he understood. And he had, he was, he was liked Coca-Cola and bubblegum since he was a little kid. And he sold those, so he kind of understood those. He knew, he knows that the people will drink Coke for a long time and people will chew bubblegum for a long time, right? So it was a safe bet to make that these businesses would be around and he figured as long as they're around they will find event they will find success eventually right so that's one of the criteria he makes that's interesting so only invest in what you know the other thing is he has a cool story where he says if i gave you a punch card with 20 punches in it and all you could ever do was make 20 investments over the course of your life right all you get is 20 punches that's it then you would think long and hard about which businesses you actually buy and invest in and um, he says, like, that's a very good way to think in terms of investments, because most people are like, they try to put their money everywhere and anywhere. And when it's really all about, like, focus and concentrated and making sure whatever you pick is very heavily scrutinized and passes all kinds of critical thinking tests you make um, so that it actually, like, deserves to be one of the, say, 20 slots on your punch card. I don't think Berkshire Hathaway holds too many investments itself. I, I don't know. It, uh, I want to say it's not more than dozens, I, I guess. So I would say definitely less than 100. I don't know, maybe even less than 30 or so. Um, I should look this up. But look how Berkshire Hathaway, you can look what the company owns. You can see the kinds of stocks and then get a better picture of what kind of stuff Warren Buffett invests in and how many investments he makes. I think usually it's about, I want to say like one to two a year or so. It's not that many. Um, so, I mean, the basics are clear, right? It's very general lessons. As I said, start early, be patient, build reputation. Um, he's very big on those three, but let me read some, some of my favorite quotes and then maybe I can give some context to those as well. So first quote, somebody once said that in looking for people to hire, you look for three qualities, integrity, intelligence, and energy. And if you don't have the first, the other two will kill you. You think about it, it's true. If you hire somebody without integrity, you really want them to be dumb and lazy. <laughs> I think that's a very, that's a very cool, cool, just cool way of looking at people, right? So if people are intelligent and energetic, but not in, they have no integrity, that's kind of a problem, right? Because that breeds criminal activity. It's just an interesting way to think of if you ever, it's just, it's an interesting way to think of your friends too, right? So if you have the kind of friend that always drags you to parties and like, right, they always have energy, uh, they know like how to get into the coolest parties, but you know, partying is not everything. And then maybe they sneak in or try things and they get you thrown out of the club and you get tr into trouble with the bouncer and so on. 
that's the same kind when hiring all right these people have energy and and intelligence but not integrity and that's a bad thing next one honesty is a very expensive gift don't expect it from cheap people I think so this sort of ties to I guess it's just about greed right so if people are greedy if they're cheap if they don't want to spend any money they will usually take shortcuts and cut corners trying to get the most money and that will not necessarily mean that that will is likely to mean that they will somehow cheat on you or or cheapen out on you price is what you pay value is what you get that's another good one, right? That's about this whole investment thesis that stocks can be undervalued if the intrinsic value of the business is more. By the way, a very easy way to see this for some rare cases is when you look at the assets the investment owns. So for example, a company I invested in, they owned, I think it was a pier in some kind of harbor or, or the whole harbor or something like that. The assets, like if they sold just the pier and, and they let people build houses on it, if they sold all that stuff, that worth alone would have been more than the entire company's valuation was at the time. So that was very easy, right? I could see there's so much more value than what the stock price actually reflects right now. So it was an easy investment to make. Um, but obviously, there are other more intangible ways to, to estimate the value. But this sort of assets is one of a very, it's a very obvious one. Another one, someone sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. That's just patience, right? I love tree analogies. Uh, trees, I mean, if you think about it, I, I'm looking at several high trees right across the street from me right now. The trees are probably, I mean, how tall am I? I want to say like 20, 20, 30 meters high. Uh, that's like 100, 100 feet. And it probably took like, 50 to 100 years for them to grow. I mean, that's pretty insane, right? 50 for 100, that's an entire human lifetime. And most trees you look at, they're older than you will ever become. Um, so just think about that. Next one, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. That's a great one, right? Basically, you should buy when the market is down and depressed and everyone's running around and screaming crisis and saying, oh, no, sell everything. And when others are rallying and say, this is the best time ever. Yeah, stocks are going to take off. Da, da, da. You should be careful and um, think about taking profits, maybe. Um, okay, let's do one more. I like that one. Rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, never forget rule number one. So this is interesting. It, it plays on loss aversion, which is a common human bias we all have, but it, it uses it well in that it looks at it financially and say, well, if I can prevent losing money, then I'm already bound to make money, right? As long as you invest with a net sum of zero, your chances of making money go up, go up extremely, right? Because not every one of your investments has to turn out great as long as it doesn't lose you money. So that's a very so, sort of safety margin, a good baseline to play from. All right, enough rambling, enough quotes. Uh, there's lots more. You can just Google Warren Buffett quotes. I think the most valuable thing to learn from Warren Buffett is not how exactly he invests and his numbers and da-da-da. It's more of his sort of philosophy and approach to life. Think about whether that makes sense to you because it doesn't have to. 
he's very patient, very reserved, very focused, concentrated, introverted, and so on. Think about the kind of qualities, the kind of person Warren Buffett is. And if that aligns with you, then maybe what he does will work for you, right? So that's all I would encourage you to think about. I hope you enjoyed the Snowball by Illustrator, and I will see you on one of the next summaries.